Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Good afternoon. It is Friday, July 9th, and this is Noon Edition. I'm Stan Jastrzewski, and this week we're talking about how the state's tourism industry is surviving the recession. With us in studio are Indiana State Tourism Director Amy Vaughn, Brown County Convention and Visitors Bureau Director Jane Ellis, and Columbus Visitors Bureau Associate Director Cindy Fry. Thanks to all of you for being here. Appreciate you coming down today. Uh, you can call our program today at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also leave a comment on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and we can get your question on that way. Well, Amy, let's start with you. How has the tourism industry in the state changed in the last couple of years as we've been in a down economy? And what has happened to the tourism department's budget in in that same time? Sure. Well, what we saw last year... Uh, was that people did they uh, did tend to stay closer to home, which was beneficial to Indiana, and uh, people certainly were looking for deals last year. Um, both of those things we think are likely to continue into this year as well. People staying closer to home, still looking for deals. Um, last year, we uh, saw that Indiana attractions in particular held their own, that as people stayed closer to home, the attractions in Indiana benefited. We had examples across the state from the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo, attendance up 15 percent, Holiday World was up, Fair Oaks Farms was up. Uh, so we really saw that um, – over and over, that attractions in Indiana fared well last year. Now, we also saw that uh, hotels and restaurants had a tougher time last year. Uh, Restaurants in particular, uh, fast food restaurants did well, and that was about uh, it with restaurants. Now, so far, what we're hearing this year is positive, that um, we're hearing that restaurants are starting to see an upturn. Uh, They are ahead of last year. I just talked to the Indiana Hotel Lodging Association uh, last week and also the Restaurant Association. And for hotels as well, uh, what they're seeing is that uh, occupancy is up. However, rates are, are still down. So it'll take a little while to bring the rate back up. But I think in general, what we're hearing from the industry is that, you know, last year we held our own uh, from a attraction standpoint. This year, cautiously optimistic that we're starting to see the upturn. Um, gas prices are still staying low. That was a concern for a while. What happens if gas prices go up because we're a drive-to destination? Um, so I, what we also heard from the RV industry a couple weeks ago, they were starting to see demand increase. So I think we are seeing the um, upturn uh, compared to last year. Jane, it's, it's long been said that the, maybe the only industry in Brown County is tourism. Um, and, and that to me seems like there could be two realities. Uh, like Amy said, people are staying closer to home and so maybe that benefits you guys because people aren't going out of state. But is it also a possibility that people are, are not still coming to Brown County uh, because their disposable income isn't as much as it was? Which of those two is closer to the truth in, in your neck of the woods? We've been fortunate because our people – are very loyal. Our visitors are loyal to Brown County and they come. Um, we haven't seen a decrease in number. We've seen an increase in number. We've seen more families. Um, we have so many family cabins and people are kind of, you know, coming back to their roots and coming back as families. 
They're getting together in groups of people. Um, over this last weekend, 4th of July, it looked like an October weekend in Brown County. It was amazing. Um, so we've been very fortunate and we've seen that people, I think they're getting out and experiencing a little more things like you were saying about the attractions. As they're traveling through the state, maybe they're stopping and spending a little more time at some some places. You know, our state park, our mountain bike trails, uh, kind of a getting back to nature, all of our, our venues and events, um, we've seen a nice increase in the visitation. With that visitation increase, uh, have you seen any change in the amount of the average spending per person or per family? We have. Um, we've talked um, our lodging properties. They've done okay. Our restaurants, restaurants have done okay. Um, but from you look at the retail aspect, people aren't buying like they used to. You see a lot of um, families walking down the street eating ice cream cones, laughing, you know, kind of taking in the village. Um, but the spending has – we've seen a reduction in that from the retail standpoint. Cindy, we talk a lot with Fred Armstrong on Ask the Mayor about how tourism uh, affects uh, Columbus. I talked with him on Wednesday about that very thing. And there are a number of things obviously in process with the new commons and plans for hotel developments and things like that, maybe a sports arena at some point in the city's future. If these things come to fruition, it stands to reason that the city is in a good position. But does it have to happen? Does this development and this uh, increase in um, interest from people who will use these uh, accommodations and these amenities have to happen relatively soon or uh, are, can you sort of wait it out? Oh, we can wait it out. We we have had a very strong year. 2009 was our second best year ever in terms of uh, innkeeper tax collection. 2008 was a record-setting year for us and this was our second best year. We're really fortunate because we have such a diverse population of visitors. We're not dependent on one market. Because of all the activity at Camp Atterbury, we have seen increased traffic with military visits. We also have a very strong sports tourism initiative, and that that remains steady for us. Leisure travel is is very strong. In fact, we had more people taking our architecture tour this year than ever before. And that kind of ties to what Amy was saying about attractions being up. Our architecture is up. Our Kids' Commons Children's Museum is up about 10 percent this year. Uh, so with the meetings market and the, the corporate travel, we're lucky because we have a very diversified base. It seems a little counterintuitive that your, your two best years ever have been the last two years, doesn't it? It does seem counterintuitive, but we've just been growing and adding hotel rooms and um, and giving people more reasons to come to Columbus just b- beyond the architecture. We've really worked hard to develop um, different markets and to go after visitors who um, don't don't come for the architecture but come because there are tournaments in town or, or come because of what's happening up at Camp Atterbury. We got to talking about this week's program in the newsroom this week and, and trying to come up with, you know, different things that we all wanted to know about. And we got to – a number of us are not originally from Indiana. We have people who are from Ohio and Missouri and uh, Colorado and and we thought, all right, for a number of states, we can come up with something where if you said you have to go to this state and you have to see X. For instance, our news bureau chief said if you're going to Missouri, you have to see the St. Louis Arch. But we were thinking, is there something like that for Indiana? And outside of the Speedway in the month of May, I couldn't come up with something in my own head that – is that year-round 
for the state as something that the state could really hang its hat on? Am I are, am I and is the newsroom missing something? Is there something we should be thinking about? It and is there something that the state could use to its advantage in that way? Well, I think you're exactly right. Uh, we have a brand for the state for its tourism efforts uh, that's Restart Your Engines. And we rolled that brand out about five years ago. Uh, we did a lot of research on the front end. It was a research-based process. And we looked around at what the competitive set was doing. What was Ohio doing? What was Kentucky doing? And what we saw, uh, Kentucky, for example, had really uh, hung its hat on um, horse racing. Unbridled spirit was the Kentucky tourism slogan. In Illinois, it was mile after magnificent mile really tying into Chicago. Uh, Michigan at that time was doing Great Lakes, Great Times. Now they've switched to pure Michigan. Uh, but what we saw was that uh, our competitive set of neighboring states was really kind of honing in on one thing that it was well known for, and that seemed to be moving the needle. So we did some research, did some focus groups and testing, and uh, tested a number of concepts. And what we found for Indiana was it was motorsports, that the Indianapolis 500, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that was what people thought of when you talked about Indiana. So we tested a number of concepts and uh, the restart your engines uh, very much rose to the top. And what we saw with that was also this duality, that it was motorsports, it was adventure, it was excitement. But at the same time, it was also relaxation and rejuvenation. And uh, our research has showed that Indiana also scores very well for outdoor recreation. And we see it with Brown County State Park. Uh, we see it uh, with uh, boating, uh, northern Indiana with the dunes. Uh, so the Restart Your Engine started with this uh, notion of tie into what you're well known for, which was the motorsports, and then expand on it to make it uh, kind of speak on other levels. And that has been very successful. When we launched it, it had a over 70 percent awareness, but right about 70 percent. Uh, and then after two years, we uh, tested it again, and it was about 78 percent association with the state. Um, so you're exactly right. You, it, it seems that in tourism, you do have to kind of hang your hat on what you're well known for. And then from there, you tell people more of your story. Obviously, the, the two races that happen at the Speedway, you're bringing lots and lots of people and tons and tons of money. But you're still looking at 10 months of the year where there are there is not a giant auto race in this state. Um, does that change the way that you market the state? And, and even for the two of you as well who are nearby Indianapolis and, and would get probably some of that flow of people, um, does your marketing effort have to change – outside of May and July? Go ahead. <laughs> well, the one thing that uh, I think of immediately is that in Indiana, uh, through our research, we know that the summer is our busiest travel season, uh, which I think is very intuitive. Uh, we're a drive-to destination, a uh, high percentage of families that visit. The highest number of our visitors come from Indiana. About 37% of our visitors are from in-state. After that, it's Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, and Kentucky. Uh, so we do know that summer is the busiest uh, time. And then spring and fall, 
uh, as a state are pretty even after that. Uh, so from a state perspective, because people get their information so much differently than they did probably even five years ago, what we have seen is that our website, visitindiana.com, is really the the number one priority for our office in terms of people want their information so quickly that 10 years ago, people would call a 1-800 number. They'd ask for a travel guide. You'd mail it to them. They'd get it. They'd plan their trip. But we've seen that the trip planning process now is such a short window of time. Um, and you know, the use of the internet among uh, people for travel is one of the highest usages. Uh, so people are very much in tune with, oh, I want to take a trip. I might start thinking about it on a Monday. I'm going to go this weekend. And typically in Indiana, you know, we're a weekend destination, two to three day destination. Uh, so from a state perspective, we still have a great travel guide that we do mail out to people. But the website, because of the dynamic nature and the changing content uh, has really much more become the focus. And I think to your point, you can then adapt your messaging so much seasonally because you have current information all the time. So our perspective is if we can um, spark interest for travel to drive people to the website, then if we're driving them to the website saying, hey, restart your engines, it's Indiana, once they're at our website, here's all this other information as well. Is that something that that you, Jane and Cindy, are doing as well in, in terms of marketing uh, differently these days than you did just a few years ago? And and if so, how? We've definitely changed our marketing in the last three years, and with technology and the ease and being able to change your message frequently. We've hit uh, more seasonal marketing where we're hitting a spring, a summer, and a holiday season. For Brown County, we will always struggle in the winter months. We're just our community. That will always be a challenge for us. Um, But we have been able to target specific seasons as well as specific markets. Um, We've been able to target into like our girlfriend's getaways. We're a perfect destination. There's a high rise of girlfriend travel. So we see that. But then we can also customize a message, you know, if it's within our website, if it's social medias, whatever it may be, to hit the men that might be coming along with them. I think we're we're in a similar situation as the state where they, you know, put their their hook is the uh, motorsports. In Columbus, that's architecture. We're so fortunate to have this unique uh, niche with modern design, with our eighty modern structures and uh, public art installations, that's the thing that really sets us apart. The fact that we're a city of 40,000 people with a world-class reputation for art and architecture. But that isn't the only thing we offer. So um, while that's our hook and that's our distinct advantage over our competitors is to tell that story, we also talk about shopping and restaurants, locally owned um, eateries, authentic experiences you can have, uh, attractions you can go to. So it's uh, it's very much about using that brand, which our brand is unexpected, unforgettable. It's about four years old, to um, to get that message out about how we're very different. But then when people come to our website or come to um, see a brochure or any of our other marketing materials, they're going to learn about all the things that we have to offer. And so it's different for our sports tourism visitors uh, than it is for someone looking for a girlfriend getaway. As this has changed the way, the way you all market uh, and using the website more, it would stand to reason that you can get more 
data and more metrics on who's coming, what their income is, what their demographics are. Has that enabled all of you to be more efficient as the amount of money you have to spend on these things has receded in some ways? You have to be more targeted. There's no no doubt about it. And for us, that means the use of technology. Um, you know, Amy was saying how you used to have an 800 number and people would call. Well, we still do that, but we probably have 13 other marketing outlets because we're using YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, we have a mobile website, you know, just so many more tools. But you you are able to adapt your message and to um, move quickly. Gene, you said you've got people you, – you've got targeted campaigns for the first three seasons of the year. Have you been seeing or been able to find out if it's the same people who are coming back each fall or each spring? Uh, I mean is it the same people who are coming back in your estimation? We see a lot of repeat visitation, maybe not just repeat. They only come in the spring, but they come in the spring and then they come back in the fall. Um, we've uh, implemented two uh, – it's a passport spending promotion. We, Amy mentioned earlier looking for value. So we have a in our spring and holiday promotions where it's a, a spending concept. You know, you get this passport and you – for every purchase you make, you tally it up, you fill your card up, you turn it in and there's a Brown County getaway that you get with $500 cash. We see those people calling us, when does the next passport start? Um, and they're not filling out one passport. The, the passport's $500 in value that they've spent. Multiple passports are being spent or being filled up for the getaway. And we see them contact us early spring. They come for the spring promotions and they're back for the holiday. So we have been able to track more of a repeat visitor. Uh, Amy, uh, what about the the sort of dark kind of flip side of this? I wonder if you have heard of tourism offices in the state that have really had their budgets cut as uh, revenues to local government have gone down. Have you heard some kind of horror stories of places that are not able to be as successful with their tourism as, as these two? Oh, certainly. Um, you know, last year in particular, um, our partners in uh, the Elkhart area that were impacted so greatly by the RV industry, uh, I believe their revenue was down about 30 percent. Their budgets, of course, were down uh, likewise. And uh, tourism is very important in northern Indiana with Amish country. So it was a very tough time there last year. Um, Kokomo, it's a very similar story. Those are probably t- the two that come to mind in particular. Um, but we heard from the Fort Wayne CVB that their revenue was down about 20 percent. So I would say it's certainly the exception more than the rule to hear these great success stories of Columbus and Brown County. Um, You know, in general, it was a tough time last year and we are seeing the upturn um, this year. Well, I do want to get to our first phone caller of the afternoon. Barry is on the telephone. Uh, Barry, thanks for calling in to Noon Edition. What would you like to uh, ask our guests? Uh, I really just had a comment um, about – Tourism, and this is probably more directed toward the Department of Transportation, but uh, we've traveled from uh, Indiana to, you know, through Illinois to Iowa, and we've traveled south through Kentucky and other states. And unfortunately, Indiana's rest areas on the interstates are uh, probably at the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, overall quality. And the other thing that I've, I've noticed is the ability to get an Indiana road map is more difficult than almost any other state. All right, Barry, thanks for your call. We appreciate it. Cindy, what about the uh, the idea of the uh, 
the the rest stop or Amy, what about the idea of the rest stops? I mean, I, I, is that a valid concern? Is that even something that you're concerned with, or is it a Department of Transportation thing, as Barry suggests? Well, it is the Department of Transportation uh, that owns and manages the rest areas, and um, you know, there certainly are challenges. Many of the buildings are old; uh, some need to be renovated. Uh, so it's definitely something that uh, we do hear uh, from our constituents about. Is that um, that is uh, certainly an issue. One of the things that we have seen is that uh, with uh, so many CVBs in the state, uh, often they have rest areas as well. I know the Columbus area has a welcome center there. Um, but definitely from a, a state perspective, if you're traveling on the interstate uh, in Indiana, uh, a number of our facilities are older and um, you know could, could use some um, maintenance and investment. Is that something that you pay attention to in Columbus is how your your uh, rest stops in the area around, for instance, I-65 as it passes through Columbus looks? Uh, is that something the city is involved with in any way? That's really not our concern. Um, we try to make sure our materials are in those rest stops so that if people are driving up and down the interstate, they can grab onto a brochure and learn about what's nearby. Um, and we certainly stock those maps, the travel maps, in our in our visitor center. And I know that's a a hot item, and we're we're happy to distribute those. And we try to make sure we have a good supply. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would add to that that I think people may not know is that through the tourism office, you can also request the Indiana State map. There was a time when the tourism map was a different map than the INDOT map, but now we use the exact same map. So even though the cover is different, if it comes from our office, so I would encourage anyone who wants an Indiana State map, uh, they can um, get on our website, visit Indiana.com, and email our office, and we will send them one. The cover will look different. It won't say INDOT on it, but it is the same map. And I know we actually have an in-dot map ourselves, which you can get online too, hanging uh, outside our studio here. So we should point out that that's a good – the online is a good reference for, for getting those maps. Um, what about uh, the fact that we, we talked earlier about Indiana not having a singular thing, that the one big attraction that you might go to, but – is that a benefit in some way that there's a more spread out sense of the things you'll want to see across the state? And you would you would think then that uh, as we've pointed out, we do have people who drive around Indiana seeing the, the different sites, which would lead me to think that those people are going to spend more on hotel rooms. They're going to spend more in the restaurants. You're going to have to hit the Fort Waynes and the Terre Hautes and the Columbuses and the Evansvilles uh, in addition to Indianapolis. Is it a benefit to have this – kind of spread out nature of the things you might want to see across Indiana? You know, I think it is. And I uh, very much remember a conversation I had with the travel editor of Midwest Living about five years ago. And uh, her name was Barbara. And I was picking her brain, uh, wanting to know from her, from a Midwest Living perspective, you know, you work with you know, all the states in the Midwest. When you think of Indiana, what do you think of? And for her, it was uh, northern Indiana Amish country. That was a, a big standout. It was Indianapolis, and it was Brown County. So I, I thought I thought that was very telling to me, you know, as a state tourism director. Hey, here are three big kind of roller coasters, if you will, that we're known for. And uh, I thought, um, you know, good good thing for us to know. Here are the things that people uh, think of, kind of top of mind. Then how can we increase awareness of these other things? 
And the interesting thing that I've seen uh, over the last few years across Indiana, really, is trail development. And I think this gets to your point of uh, people come in for Brown County or people come in for Indianapolis. But what we've seen our tourism industry do in the last few years is really develop these trails. In northern Indiana, there's a um, arts and earth trail um, visiting local craftspeople all across 8090. Uh, Columbus has developed a trail with Bloomington in Brown County that I'll certainly defer to them to give details on. Um, but there's been uh, wine trails that have been around even previous to that. So I think that, um, you know, yes, we, we recognize that we're probably not known for one thing. Maybe we're known well for a few things. But as people come into the state for those things, uh, I think we're all more aware of trying to uh, connect and drive people, partnering together to get people from one destination to another. If I could comment on that, um, Brown County for a long time was only known for fall and its leaves, and that was one thing that we could certainly hang our hat on. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it only happens in May. So we've had to work to expand what our offerings are, what people know us for, um, you know, our arts, and that's with the the arts uh, twisted trail that we've developed. So when you have more things to hang your hat on, it certainly gives people more reasons to come. And it's just a matter of, I think, partnering together. We've had some initiatives with the state and with other counties, and it gives you more reasons to come and travel throughout the state to see more. I think the Twisted Trail is really a perfect example of what we're talking about because it links three distinctly different cities, Bloomington, Brown County, and Columbus. Uh, And we're all attached by this little short 40-mile expanse of road, but where else could you see three such unique and interesting cities in such a short distance? So that's the – we're really marketing that as a competitive advantage. Um, we think that there are lots of unusual experiences you can have in those three cities that you can't have anywhere else. So um, that's the idea behind the Twisted Trail, which we just rolled out last uh, last month. And uh, you can find more information at indianatwistedtrail.com. All right. Well, I want to talk more about that competitive advantage in just a minute, but we've reached the bottom of the hour and we need to take a break here on Noon Edition. You can call us during the break at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 877-285-9348. You can also leave a comment at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone, information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as play and opera reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m., and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org.
We are back here on Noon Edition. We're talking about how the state's tourism industry is making its way through this recession. Amy Vaughn, the Indiana State Tourism Director, Jane Ellis, the Brown County Convention and Visitors Bureau Director, and Cindy Fry, the Columbus Visitors Bureau Associate Director, are with us. You can call us at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And we do have a caller on the line at the moment. Dave is on the phone. Dave, thanks for calling Noon Edition. Am I on? Yes. What would you like to ask our panel? Um, well, is the Brown County Tourism, are they concerned, are you concerned by the five-fold increase in the logging of state forests and the inclusion of the outback area that was formerly preserved? And if so, um, are you doing anything about it by increasing the awareness? Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Jane, I guess that's directed at you. That is. Uh, you know, maintaining our forests and our 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 natural surroundings is important. Um, as a member of the community, it's absolutely up there with things that we're concerned about. From a standpoint of a CVB, um, our job is to market and to bring people to the community, um, and we don't generally get into situations like that for advocacy and things of that nature. I wanted to get also to an email question that was sent in. Um, someone says, building on the Indiana racing theme, one can argue that the area should be doing more in the way of bicycle racing and bicycle vacations. Uh, what are your groups doing for bicycling, if anything? We have several bike, bike races that go on in Brown County. And one of the things that we had commented when we were talking earlier is they seem to do an amazing job because it's such a passionate group um, that they sometimes go be, un, under our radar um, they're becoming more prominent. They're, we're working better with them. We have um, a Brown County breakdown that's a mountain bike race. There's four uh, dyno races that happen throughout the, the Brown County State Park. Um, there was someone that just came into my office earlier this week that they want to do another, and it's a road race. Uh, we do have the Hilly 100. So I think that we're seeing um, an increase with mountain bike trails Sports in general, I think, and that kind of plays off a little bit from the states. You know, when you you recognize us as motorsports, that's trickled down to other types of sports that we see an increase in with different tournaments, um, you know, the softball tournaments, and now we're seeing an increase in, in bike events as well. If I could speak about Columbus, we have a, a wonderful ride called Hope Ride. It's entering its 23rd year this year, and they have 3,000 riders, and Hope is a community just about nine miles from Columbus in Bartholomew County. And the organizers of that ride um, just do a tremendous job. And this year they had their second annual girlfriend ride, which was an all-female bike ride. And in its second year attracted 850 riders. So cycling is really growing in our community thanks to those two kind of um, linchpin events. Um, but then the city is also really taking a hard look at uh, making our community more pedestrian-friendly and more bike-friendly. We already have 20 miles of trail uh, through our parks department, which are, are well-utilized, and we're looking at expanding um, more bike pathways because we think that's really important. And we know that visitors come with their bike racks right on top of the car and bring their bikes with them. I was going to ask both of you about that, about uh, bike lanes on city streets, for instance. Uh, Bloomington has uh, quite a number of them uh, here in town. What about Nashville and what about Columbus in terms of uh, getting bikes safely onto city streets as well? 
In Nashville, we just exercise caution. We really don't have the infrastructure that we have any bike lanes or really the ability to add bike lanes. Um, we've talked about, you know, expanding trails and, you know, there's a long-term goal of being able to expand to Bloomington, Columbus, Brown County, connect us all via a bike trail. Um, but our roads are narrow county roads with uh, a lot of challenges. So we just ask people to exercise caution. Yeah, we're we're still uh, developing more plans in our city to expand those opportunities for cyclists. Um, we're fortunate because as a county, we have the hilly terrain on the west side and the the flatter terrain on the east side of the county. So there really is something for every every rider and every rider's taste. Do you know if there are bike lanes in this thoroughfare plan that's now before the city council in Columbus? There absolutely are. And our our Healthy Communities Initiative through our hospital is really looking at um, safer school routes for children. And that's a big push, um, which will, will not only benefit residents of the community, but visitors as well. All right. Our next phone caller of the afternoon is Bob. Bob, thanks for calling in to Noon Edition this afternoon. Okay. Um, this is for the gentleman that called in about the roadmaps on Highway 70 East at the uh, rest areas. They have roadmaps in there, and they're little bending machine-like things that you don't have to put any money in. Just go over and pull the lever, and you'll get a, a roadmap. Well, great. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. That's uh-huh. a, it's a good help and uh, something that uh, the state is doing, and it sounds like doing in a number of areas to try to get people access to those roadmaps. Joe is also on the phone this afternoon. Joe, thanks for calling in to Noon Edition. What would you like to ask our, our panel of tourism experts? Yes, I noticed that uh, they emphasized the um, corridor of Indy, uh, Columbus, Brown County, uh, and the Amish and all that, but uh, it seems to me that there's another area developed that's not expressed um, and developed is the river and the lakefront. You've got the Dunes, Lakeshore National Park, and you've got a great river down there that actually leads to the Gulf eventually. And I wonder why they're not emphasizing or developing anything there. You've got the, from, say, Cincinnati to Evansville, a nice little water ride, uh, maybe some stuff on the way. Corden has some neat stuff. And I wonder if they could address that, just uh, what's being done to uh, promote the uh, water activity that we have here, surrounded by a river and a nice lake. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Amy, why don't I aim that at you? And uh, obviously there are things that go on, for instance, in, in Jeffersonville every year and in Madison, and you've got the regatta and things like that on the river and some things that go on in Evansville. But what about what about the areas between, for instance, the Louisville-Cincinnati area and the Evansville area, you know, that sort of southern border of the state there that, that I think Joe is referencing? A um, couple of comments. Uh, the first that strikes me is that uh, our Convention and Visitors Bureau partners, just like Cindy and Columbus and Jane and Brown County, uh, are very involved in the, the marketing and development oftentimes in those areas. Uh, so I know in Madison, the CVB there is very active. Um, Linda Lytle is the director down there, uh, very engaged with the uh, Chautauqua down there, um, all of the events. So I think in those communities, oftentimes the convention and visitors bureaus take a lead role in promoting the events in that area and trails. We've seen a lot of trail development, uh, particularly in the Madison, VV uh, kind of area. Um, and Vivi, a great story there, uh, maybe a little off subject, but um, a great partnership story down there of seeing the Community Foundation, the Convention of Visitors Bureau, and local government 
all get together to revitalize their downtown. And the story that they saw there was that they had a casino, lots of people visiting the casino, but people weren't uh, taking the time to visit the downtown area. So uh, very much a city-county-wide partnership to develop downtown to get those casino goers um, to go to the downtown area. This sort of gets me back to what we were talking about before the break about the idea of cooperation and these trails between places. And I wondered also if it sort of works the other way, you know, as the amount of money that people have had to spend on tourism has contracted um, while you're partnering with one another. I wondered if there was any sense, um, especially between like Brown County and Columbus being that you're so close together, of of competition as well. You know, it used to be in the good times, it's we just hope people come and spend their money in Indiana. But in the lean times, is there any sense of, well, gee, I hope they come to Columbus and, and spend their money there first. And if they make it to Brown, Brown County, great. But if not, well, oh, well. If it's a competition, it's a friendly one. I'll say that. We we know that when visitors come, they don't know what county they're in. You know, they're experiencing a region and they're they're interested in getting out and seeing different communities and different attractions. And we're probably more aware of that county ba- boundary than they are. So um, we think it's great if they come to Columbus and stay in our hotel and go shop in Brown County. And the same, I think, is true in Brown County. If they stay an extra night in, in Jane's Hotels, and come over and add a day and see what we have to offer, then everybody wins. And I think that's one of the advantages. Um, Brown County's fortunate because we are right in the middle of Bloomington and, and Columbus. Um, so we have people, you know, that travel from Columbus through Brown County for IU. Um, we have visitors from Bloomington that would travel over. We, we talked about the outlet mall in a prior conversation. So we're, we're fortunate because we're stuck right in the middle so people pass by. But um, our, my motto has always been that the visitor knows no county lines. Um, you can go to Indianapolis and you can drive you know, from the east side to the west side in just the same amount of time you can drive from Columbus to Bloomington and hit all of us. Uh, Amy, you mentioned earlier that something like 37 percent of of tourism comes from within the state of Indiana. And I wondered, uh, you know, uh, when I lived in Chicagoland, I saw TV ads all the time for Missouri and for Kentucky and for Michigan and for Wisconsin. But I don't recall seeing very many Indiana ads that were saturating, for instance, the Chicago television market. And I wondered, is there any uh, effort at this point that your office goes to try to put advertisements on the air on TV or radio uh, or even on city websites for the Chicago's, the St. Louis's, the Cincinnati's of the world? Or are you more concerned with drawing people from within the state where the majority of your – or not the majority but the most of your uh, travel and travel dollars come from? Um, that's a great question. Uh, we do have uh, television spots that we have aired in the past uh, in Indiana, well, in Indiana and the surrounding states, and we typically did a uh, run for about three to four weeks uh, to kind of kick off summer in early to mid-May, and then another short run uh, at the end of July for a couple of weeks. Uh, however, last year and this year, uh, we do not have a, a budget to allow for TV or radio, and so as times have changed. Uh, our efforts have changed their focus as well uh, with an increased emphasis on technology. And uh, what we have done instead is moved our efforts to online advertising, which we can uh, target geographically. So we can do the same thing we were doing before in terms of distribution of or targeting with uh, search engine uh, marketing, buying keywords, and also with banner ads in Indiana and surrounding states. 
so that's been a concentrated effort, as well as uh, a consumer email program. We have 70,000 people who have signed up uh, to receive information from us. So each month we send out three consumer emails. Uh, we did a lot of research on the front end to determine how often people wanted to hear from us, what messages they wanted from us. And we heard loud and clear three key things that people wanted to know about festivals and events, people wanted trip ideas, and people wanted deals. So we broke that information into three emails uh, on each topic. Those go out once a month, and um, we've had great success. We have open rates of about 50% on these emails, and um, you know we've seen that to be a very effective way of reaching people who are interested and in giving them uh, the exact information that they're requesting. You, you mentioned that you don't have any budget at the moment for TV or for radio advertising. If I gave you an unlimited advertising budget based on what you've seen from TV and radio versus what you've seen from online, where would you spend your money? Where do you get the most bang for your buck now that you've seen it both ways? Well, from a state perspective, you know, we have to wear a lot of different hats because if we would talk to our friends in northern Indiana, they would say Chicago market. And we have heard that message from them loud and clear because for the 8090 corridor, that's a key market for them. And uh, they are very uh, sophisticated there. They target uh, southern Michigan and the Chicago area. Um, so for, you know, the number of years prior when we were running TV and radio, uh, we uh, were very sensitive to the needs of our partners and so uh, took a perspective of investing in Chicago um, into cable because we could get a lot more bang for our buck with cable in the Chicago area. But then if we talked to our friends in Madison and Cordon and Jeffersonville, they'd say the Louisville market was key for them. And so we would go into the Louisville market. Um, then we talked to some folks in Evansville who would say, well, Indianapolis is a big market for us. So um, – I think from a state perspective, what we have found to uh, be the most effective at helping our partners across the state is a distribution between the Chicago market, the Indianapolis market, uh, the Louisville market, and then also Fort Wayne, uh, Evansville, Lafayette, some in-state markets as well, Indianapolis. And then sometimes we've also gone into a Dayton, Ohio, Champaign, knowing you know where our visitors are coming from. Knowing that information, um, I, I wonder where uh, each of you thinks you would like to expand more. Do we want a higher percentage of Hoosier travelers or do we want more people who come in from out of state? I mean if, if each of you had your druthers, where would you be expanding the tourism populations that are coming to see each of you? I'm not sure that, that we're as concerned about where they come from. We're just concerned that they come and that they spend their money in our communities. We really need state tourism's um, budget to be as much as it can be so that we can um, be more successful at a local level. If we can get people interested in coming to Indiana in general, then bureaus like the Columbus Visitor Center and the Brown County Convention and Visitors Bureau can talk those folks into coming to our communities. But if we don't, if we don't create that interest in the state as a whole, it makes our job a lot more difficult. Same for you, Jean. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, it, it doesn't matter to us where they come from. We we have visitors that come different times of the year. Um, we've even seen an increase in international travelers. You know, when you get into the Bill Monroe uh, Bluegrass Festival, um, we just like to see the visitors. And um, you know, 
Amy is in a very challenging job. <laughs> we know how hard it is to represent one one community. Um, and when you look at your return investment on advertising and marketing, that's always kind of a hard thing to do. And, you know, touch them back on, do you do TV? Do you do online? How do you reach these people? There's so many ways of communication, so many forms of communication out there, and it's very difficult. One of the advantages that we have with technology is – Emails, we it's a lot easier to bring a visitor back that's already been here than to attract a new one. And it's the more times you can touch them, the better off you are. And technology has really opened up that avenue and made it affordable uh, to where when you get into TV, you've seen it, it's there and it's gone. You know, you hope that the people call and retain it. Um, we just like to see visitors as a whole in Indiana. We've now mentioned budgets in a couple of different ways and that obviously gets back directly to what the legislature is doing and what money there is in the state. What, in in your opinions, is the legislative climate in terms of thinking about tourism? I mean, we've heard a lot about how the education budget in Indiana has been slashed and how the arts have been negatively impacted by the recession. What about tourism? I mean, is it a favorable time to try to pitch tourism ideas to your representatives in the legislature? Well, I think the pie is smaller and we're all very aware of that. Um, as an industry, the the uh, convention and visitor bureaus are working very hard to get the message out about the kind of jobs we bring into the state. Uh, in Columbus alone, we have 3,900 jobs in the tourism industry and each year we can track over $192 million of direct spending. We are a very viable and strong industry and very important to the community. Um, is that message being heard in Indianapolis though? Well, we're, we're certainly working hard to make sure it's heard. Um, we think that tourism is, is as important an industry as any other and um, we all want to advocate for better funding so that we can uh, be stronger in, the, in this market. I want to get to our next phone caller. Donald has been waiting patiently on the phone. Donald, thanks for calling in to Noon Edition. Okay, th thank you. I have a question for the girl from uh, Brown County. I live here just a mile and a half north, and here's what's happened. In the last week, there's three businesses went out. Three businesses went out. One's a French Connection, Old Black, which is a uh, portrait. There's a movie, movie show. This is all in Antique Alley. There's about 20% of the business that have fallen off this state. Not the state, but the county in the last year. And all she mentioned so far is the restaurant and lodging. What is she doing for the businesses? And by the way, the bicycles she mentioned, they passed an ordinance a year ago that says you can have these the person riding a bike and then the people sitting in the little carriage behind them. That has already been approved. Thank you. All right, Donald, thanks for your call. And, and that's. A little bit of an indictment of what's going on in in Brown County, Gene. But what do you what do you think about Donald's comment about the other businesses that he says are sort of being forgotten? Uh, we have always had challenges in Brown County with people, businesses coming in, opening up, and doors closing. One of the things that we have seen um, our mainstays that have been there for a long time. We still do have a lot of those anchor stores. Um, as far as commenting on two businesses in particular, James O'Black just relocated. He is now in Muddy Boots. He has just moved from Antique Alley into Muddy Boots and he is working within that, that business. The theater, um, we're sorry to see that go. It was a 30-seat theater. Um, they did a lot of independent film. Um, they were down in Antique Alley, which is known in Brown County as that – 
kind of unique place. That's where you're going to go and you're going to see your handcrafted. You're going to see your local people. It's a great place to interact. Um, we did everything we could to help promote them. We made his uh, movie schedule available on in the visitor center. It was always printed out and available in the visitor center. We've whenever there's something going on, um, as if it's an event that's upcoming, you know, we always uh, help publicize that. But when it comes to individual businesses, there are some things that you know, unfortunately, we can't control. Um, it's a very difficult thing. I hear from the retailers, and I know that they're struggling. Um, we struggle with uh, hours. One of the biggest uh, complaints that we hear in the visitor center: people are coming in at five o'clock. They're coming in after work, and the businesses or the the shops are closed. Some of the restaurants are closed. On the weekends, uh, we have a second Saturday Village Art Walk that um, started this year, and it goes until eight o'clock. And it's been a great thing to try to bring people to downtown Nashville and keep them here longer. Um, and I don't ever think that the issue of store hours will ever close or will ever change. But I think it's always going to be a little thorn when you try to promote something as a retail destination. And we can't have we're, – we're not a mall. We're not, you know, a property where you can say you can come here from 9 until 9. Everything's going to be open and it's going to be a, that shopping experience. So there's lots of challenges and we're very well aware of it. We talked a little bit about the, the legislature and I got to thinking about some state laws that were passed recently that affect the tourism industry. There's one that allows uh, casinos now, a couple of them, to have – or uh, racetracks to have slot machines. Uh, there's another one that's a, that's just gone into effect that will garnish the winnings of parents who are in arrears on their child support payments. Do the tourism industries locally in your areas feel the effects of these laws or is it just something that kind of happens and there's not a gigantic effect? It affects the individual person perhaps more than it affects your industry or your area. I would agree with that. Uh, the one uh, law that changed that I feel like I have heard a lot about that have impacted the tourism industry is the one allowing you to buy beer if it's uh, artisan craft beer uh, on Sundays in Indiana. That was a, a new law that we, uh, you know, generally the feedback I've heard has been very positive. The wineries were already able to do it, but then expanding that to allow the uh, craft beers to do it as well has been perceived, I think, as positive. That's Go ahead. Definitely. In, in Columbus, we have a microbrewery in our downtown area, and uh, I know he's expanded his Sunday hours, and he's selling those growlers on the weekend, so that's a, that's a positive for us. That's a brand new addition that we have in Brown County is our first microbrew, um, and they've had to expand already. They started out in a small spot, and fortunately, they were able to expand, um, but that has been a very successful. And they've, um, you know, I think it's a good example of you hit a niche market, and you, you know what your consumers want, and you give them what they want, and they will buy. Just a couple minutes left in our program time for maybe one more phone call, 812-855-0811 or 877-285-9348 are those phone numbers. And uh, I wondered – we've talked a little bit about how you've had to change the way you do business, change the way you advertise, change the way you get the message out and obviously some of that is to try and get more bang for your buck during the middle of a recession and I wondered – does that mean that in some ways the down economy has been good for you because you've had to think a little bit differently about how you do your jobs? You've had to think about where you're going as the, the 21st century tourism industry progresses. I mean are there positives to having to have – having to face the challenges that you faced in the last couple of years? 
Uh, uh, yes, definitely. I would agree with that. I think uh, one of the things I look back on when I think about everything we learned last year as the economy faltered and uh, was this increased um, interest in partnering. We really expanded efforts to partner with universities, partner with tourism industry uh, colleagues, um, but definitely to partner as well as to uh, really track efficiencies and metrics. And um, boy, with online, it really gives you that those opportunities to do that. Social media, we expanded our Facebook efforts. Uh, we've added blogs to the visitindiana.com site. And um, so I think new technologies have certainly been a, a new tool that we didn't have before, and we've really tried to maximize those. And it's uh, also helped us uh, operate more efficiently. And, you know, my takeaway from last year was in a year where we had no TV advertising, no radio advertising, we were able to maintain our uh, visits to our website, visitindiana.com. Uh, we were down 1%. So we were able to drive traffic through these other tools, you know, in a very challenging year. So tough year, no doubt for everyone, but I think we all learned a lot. I think that partnering on a local level, level for us looks like packaging, getting hotels and restaurants and attractions to bundle experiences. And that's a way we're partnering locally and leveraging the investment of everyone else. Social media is super important and we really look at the return on investment whenever we're, we're doing our marketing plan. So if it comes to buying another ad or putting money into the web, we're probably going to go with the web because we know the return is there. Jane, positives in Brown County from the recession? We're in a little different situation because we – our bureau came under scrutiny uh, probably back at the end of 2007 from a local level that kind of forced us into uh, a restructuring before the effects of the economy really hit. Um, and it, it did force us to take a look at everything everything that we do and we've kind of uh, from bottom up have, have restructured in many ways um, and really trying to find something that backs up what we're doing. Um, and when we do our print ad, and especially in magazines, we always like to do things that have like a reader response. So we know that we've placed that ad and we, we do know that, okay, maybe we got, you know, 250 leads this particular month from a particular advertisement. So it's not such a guessing game that we try to put things into where we can find a return. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but my thanks to the three of you was very enlightening. I had a great time. Thanks to all of you for being here. For Ariana Prothero and John Shelton, I'm Stan Dostrebsky saying thanks for tuning in to Noon Edition. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.